Welcome, and thank you for tuning into the Graceland Church Podcast. Our mission is to follow Jesus and love our neighbor for the good of the city. Happy Easter, everyone. What a joy to have you here. If it's your first time, we're just so honored uh, that you would spend some time with us this Easter. My name's Nathan Kolar. I'm really honored to be our lead pastor here. And there is a beautiful tradition within the church that if you're new and have never heard of this, don't worry about it. It's really simple. You can participate if you'd like. And basically, I say, he is risen. And everybody responds, he is risen indeed. And we do it three times in a row, and then we clap our hands unto God. And let me just say, if, if you're new to this and you're new to the faith, or maybe you're not a follower of Jesus yet, and this doesn't seem very significant to you now, my prayer is that by the end of this service, it'll be life transforming to you. And so we're gonna do it right now and we're gonna do it at the end of the service. And we are gonna explain why there is confetti all over the place and you guys are sitting all over it. It's gonna be a beautiful way to end the service, but let's do it and then we'll clap unto God. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. Amen, so thankful. To help illustrate the significance of this, I wanna share a special tradition from my family to open up this message. I'm really blessed to have four children. Uh, they are 13, 10, seven, and four, three daughters and then a little boy. And when my oldest was first born, her name is November, we've called her Novi for short. I used to just hold her as a little baby and of course I was a new dad and I would just look at her and say, you're my daughter. And I would say, I'm your dad. And it looked kind of like this. That's Novi. Here she is in the front row now when she's 13. <laughs> I'm going to pay you for this. Don't worry. I pay my children when I talk about them in my sermons. That's our deal. I did it with all my kids when they were little. Here's a pic of my now seven-year-old daughter, Nessa. You can see my various hairstyles in these photos. But that's Nessa when she was a little kid. I have pictures with all of my kids doing this, but you get the point. It felt super profound to me. And oftentimes I would tear up and I would just look in their face and I would say it over and over again. You are my daughter or you are my son and I am your dad. As they got a little older, I've realized that they weren't as interested in me gazing in their eyes and repeating this multiple times. And they started saying things like this. That's great, dad. I'm glad I'm your daughter and you're my dad. Thank you. Can I go and play with my friends now? And so I've learned to add another word to this, and it's the word therefore. And their definition on screen, therefore is an adverb that means as a result, because of that, or for that reason. And what it does, it connects a statement to the result or the significance of that statement. So now I may approach my kids a little bit more like this. Novi, you're my daughter. Therefore, you will always be my priority. There are only four other people on this planet that I will give 100% of my attention to, the rest of your family. And that's a truth that she's really thankful for, and it's a result of the statement I made that she's my daughter, and now she loves that truth because it means when she needs me, she has my full attention, right? When she wants something, she has my full attention. My 10-year-old Kenzie, I'll say, you're, you're my daughter, I'm your dad, therefore, I will share all of my life with you, and I'll delight in everything we get to do together. She, she's big into like composition and, and thinking about art right now. So the other day I was mowing the lawn 
in my backyard trying to finish up before the sun was completely gone. It was golden hour, you know, probably 6.30, 6.45, something like that. And my daughter came out and we noticed that we had these beautiful like purple flowers in our yard. Now they're actually weeds, you guys tracking with me? But they looked really beautiful in the light in, during golden hour. And so Kenzie, she wanted me to turn off the lawnmower and said, can, we, can I take some pictures of this with your phone right now? And can we do a little photo session? I was like, sure. So she took this picture right? Even weeds look beautiful, especially during golden hour. And then I took some photos of her. Here's Kenzie, and she posed for me for a while. Then Nessa, my seven-year-old little girl, she came out and said, Dad, I want to take some photos with you too. And she, she kind of posed a little different than Nessa. She went for this kind of move. <laughs> she, <laughs> both of these girls were born in Los Angeles because we, when we lived there. And so she wears her LA shirt all the time. And this is just one of about 15 poses she did in like a 10 second period of time. The point being, I always want Nessa to know she's my daughter, but what that means is I will laugh with you all day. And she'll make me laugh till I cry because she is my priority. And Clay, my son, I, I'll tell him, you're my son, therefore I love doing boys' days with you, and I'm going to do that for the rest of my life. Me and Clay just recently had a whole boys' day weekend, and it's really important. What that means is there are no women in the house. His three big sisters and his mom are gone, and here's him on our last boys' day weekend. And he, I mean, football, Marvel, racing, fighting, all the things. And these are all just representative of me saying, you're my child, I'm your dad, therefore, I'll never leave you or stop loving you. I'll always take care of you. I'll speak the truth in love to you. I'll teach you everything I can. And here's why I share all this. The therefore is what makes all the difference. And let me connect this to today. I think sometimes as Christians, we get so used to saying Jesus is risen that we forget the full results of that truth. We can get so comfortable with the idea of Jesus' resurrection that we miss how wildly significant and world-changing it is. So what we're going to talk about today is that Jesus is risen, therefore, five significant things that change everything. And the title is that the resurrection changes everything. And we're going to read the account, the same one that Kelly Patterson read earlier, Luke 24. If you want to turn there, it'll also be on screen. The context here is that Jesus had lived his 33 years his last three of those years were this incredible public ministry where he declared the kingdom of God. He called disciples. He healed people. And we're still reading and studying and following those words today. Then he was betrayed, crucified, buried. And three days later, today is what we're celebrating. He rose from the dead. So verse 1 of chapter 24 of Luke says, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. The resurrection of Jesus is the defining moment of all of human history. And these five direct results of the resurrection, I believe, 
if you learn to receive them and live in them, can be completely transformative of your life. And the question I want to ask you to ponder in your own heart, even if you're already a Christian and have been walking with Jesus for a while, is this. Do I believe that Jesus was truly resurrected from the dead? And that's your first fill-in. Do I believe that he actually resurrected from the dead and is alive today? Because if I do, these therefores change everything in my life. Number one, Jesus is risen. Therefore, God is who he says he is. The resurrection of Jesus validates Jesus and everything that he said and did in his life. It validates everything that he does and says now. Let me remind you in Colossians 1.15 that he, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. So Jesus is the son of God and he is also God in the flesh to us. So the resurrection announces that all of God's promises are true. The whole of scripture, it just is like a signature, a stamp of validation. It's like going to a notary. We all have witnessed this is now true. Billy Graham said it this way. When Jesus was put to death, he truly died. The Roman soldiers who nailed him to the cross attested to the fact, to that fact when they took his body down and placed it in a tomb. Its entrance was sealed with a huge stone and placed under guard. But that was not the end of the story. When the first day of the week dawned, the tomb was empty. And shortly after, Jesus appeared numerous times to his followers, as many as 500 on one occasion. His resurrection proved that Jesus was who he claimed to be, the Son of God, sent from heaven to save us from our sins. But it also proved for all time that there is life after death. This is the resurrection story. The resurrection blasts apart the finality of death. The most important events in human history are the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Without this, the cross is meaningless. Jesus made this wonderfully profound statement that changed the world. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. The resurrection is our great hope. And we see this affirmed in scripture too. The apostle Paul said in Corinthians, if Christ is not risen, then all of our preaching and all of our faith is empty. It all hangs on the validity of the resurrection. Reading on in 1 Corinthians, the apostle affirms, but now Christ is risen from the dead, for since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam, talking about Adam and Eve, all die, even so in Christ, all shall be made alive. So my encouragement to you with this first point this Easter is let the re resurrection remind you that God is real and that everything that God has spoken to us through his word is 100% bankable and true. And every part of God's plan for your life is in place. He is the faithful one. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the author and finisher of your faith. He's a wonderful savior, a stronger savior than you are a sinner. He is with you to the end and he's made a way for you. And it leads us to number two. Jesus is risen, therefore your sin has been paid for. That's some good news, my friends. Scripture could not be more clear about this. This is a scripture-heavy message because I want to give you evidence of these results of the resurrection. Ephesians 1, 7. In him, Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. And Colossians 2, this is so powerful. When you were dead in your sins, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all your sins. And look at this, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness 
which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. So the cross was incredibly significant. Along with Jesus being nailed to the cross was all of our guilt and shame and indebtedness nailed to the cross. And if it just stayed nailed to the cross, it's not enough. Jesus had to rise and overcome sin, death, and the grave. So all of your sins, all of my sins have been paid for. And I want to remind you, we have a role to play in this. The, the, Jesus has like done it all, provided the entire way for us, but still leaves it to us to do one thing. And it's articulated in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So it's this tremendous gift, this, this tremendous invitation, but God does not force you to take it. Your one and only role in this good news is to say yes. You have to actually humble yourself before the living God and say, I need you, God. And you don't just do it once. You do it every day. You grow closer to him. The more you get to know him, the more you get little glimpses of him and little glimpses of yourself, the more you say, God, I need you. And he meets you and provides everything that you need as you come to him humbly like that. That's really good news, my friends. And some of you guys, this might be your day. You can confess your sin before the Lord. You can put your faith in him. You can declare your belief in the resurrection. You could have been around this stuff your whole life. It doesn't matter. Until it becomes your own prayer before God, it doesn't come alive in you. I'm so thankful that your pardon has been secured and my pardon has been secured. You have a place at the table that has been prepared for you, and I have a place. And that includes anyone in your life that you may be frustrated with. He hasn't just paid the, the debt for your sin. He's paid the debt for our sin. Therefore, we don't need to tear others down because of their sin. That debt has been paid. They might not accept that salvation yet, but it's not on you to be their judge about a debt that Jesus has already paid a very high price for. You tracking with me on that? And it's between them and the Lord whether they choose to follow him or not. We don't know the motives of anyone's heart, but we can be free by forgiving as we have been forgiven. And that leads to number three. Jesus is risen, therefore the enemy has been defeated. You might not know this, but you have an enemy. It's not any person. It's an enemy of your soul. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Look what John 10 says. Jesus speaks this to us. The thief, the enemy, Satan, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So we need to be aware of this enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy everything God wants to do in our lives. But we need not be afraid because look at the promise in Colossians when we read on in this verse that we already began. He canceled the charge of our indebtedness. It stood against us. He's taken it away. He nailed it to the cross. And look at verse 15. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So through the cross of Jesus, Satan is defeated. That doesn't mean he's running, not running around still trying to destroy you. Scripture is really clear he's trying to do it. But his bark is really loud. His bite has no power over you. I heard someone say recently, he's like, he's like someone that's trying to bite you but doesn't have any teeth. It's just gums smacking against each other. Like there's no actual bite there. As believers and followers of Jesus, we don't have to be afraid of the enemy. And it gets even better. Number four, Jesus is risen. Therefore, death is not the final word. As you know, 
my goodness, life can be very, very hard sometimes. Sometimes life can be, feel completely full of death. Have you ever felt like that? Why all this pain, God? Why the brokenness? Why this injustice? Why this depression and disappointment and anxiety? Why these shootings? Our city is still grieving. Why these tornadoes? I, I have kids in school. Why, why bullies? Why anger? Why is there hate? Why do I even sometimes feel hate rise up in me? Why is there abuse? Why would you allow that? And the worst of all of this, and it's all summed up in one word, death. Death. And it's hard to make sense of it, but the resurrection changes all this. Scripture affirms in 1 Corinthians that the last enemy to be destroyed is death. But then later in that chapter, in talking about the resurrection of Jesus, it says death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So the world does have a lot of evil in it. And us in our sin are part of that. And we all need the victory of Jesus. And the world, apart from the power of the resurrection, is all moving towards decay, including us. In fact, are you willing to go to physics class with me for a minute? This is, this is probably, we might be the only church in America, and we're going to talk about thermodynamics on Easter Sunday. Here we go. And I'm not a physicist, so take that into consideration. But read with me on the screen. The second law of thermodynamics states that if left to its own devices, everything in the universe move to moves towards disorder and decay. Cars rust, food rots, and of course, humans grow old and die. It takes many forms, but it's called the law of entropy. And the only way to prevent entropy is to introduce an outside energy source to counteract it. Now pause there, because I am now experiencing the law of entropy in my body, because I'm 40 years old now, and just this last week, I woke up one morning after a great night of sleep, but I said to my wife, two of my fingers are killing me. And they've been killing me for the last four days. Why? Because I'm 40 and I was sleeping. <laughs> and so this is not meant to be a discouragement on Easter Sunday, but all of our bodies are wasting away. <laughs> Welcome to church. <laughs> and I'm told by those that have much more wisdom than me and have gone before me that the law of entropy keeps on messing up your body. <laughs> but listen to this. The law of entropy doesn't just govern the physical universe. It has governed the spiritual realm as well. Ever since sin was brought into the picture, everything from defects to natural disasters traced their origins back to original sin. We live in a fallen world. Everything is affected by entropy. Just like Adam and Eve discovered, sin opens the door to entropy. And the more you sin, the more your life moves towards disorder and decay. Sin is much more than a moral dividing line between right and wrong. It's a matter of life and death. And here's what's so powerful about the resurrection and how it counteracts entropy. Jesus didn't die on the cross just to make bad people good. He brings dead people to life. That's why we throw a party, because we were dead and now we live. That's what the gospel does. And that's the invitation to you today. So it does beg the question, if death doesn't have the final word, what is it that does? Hebrews 12, 24 says, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood 
that speaks a better word. So this is talking about the blood that Jesus shed on the cross for you, for me, for every human in all of history. It says that that blood speaks a better word. And what it's pulling us into is the new covenant. Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, the, the Old Testament and the New Testament. So the Old Testament is scripture inspired by God and it unlocks and helps us understand the New Testament. The New Testament is scripture inspired by God and it unlocks and helps us understand the Old Testament. You can also call them the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And Jesus ushers in the New Covenant and declares that his blood speaks a better word than death. And it speaks a better word than the law. Because the law, the only purpose it serves for us is it reveals to us that we are sinners. We are sinners desperately in need of a savior. And the more I, I get to know Jesus, the more of a sinner I see that I am and desperately need the mercy and grace of God. But his blood continues to speak a better word over me and you. And his blood speaks a better word than the enemy, than guilt, than injustice, than brokenness, than shame. Listen to me on this one. His blood speaks a better word over you than you do. Forget what you think about yourself. His blood has declared you are worth the greatest price. You are absolutely the beloved of God. And his plan, his purpose for you stands. He longs for you to run to him. He longs for you to follow him, to be with him. His blood speaks the word that will make every wrong right. His blood speaks the word that makes everything sad untrue. His blood speaks the word that causes the new heavens and the new earth and the new people to burst into life. The final word is Jesus, whose blood brings the power of the resurrection. Let me invite the worship team up. I wanna share a story about my wedding ring. You see, there are two covenants really that we experience in life as humans. One is covenant between God and us, that new covenant I just spoke of. And the other one is covenant of marriage. And whether you're married or not, you can still completely learn from this and it applies to you. I have this ring that represents the covenant of marriage that I have with my wife and I wear it every day. I don't wear it at night and when I'm at home, I leave it on my shelf with my phone, wallet and keys. And this morning I was getting ready in the dark because I was leaving uh, pretty early and I didn't realize that I had knocked my ring off of its usual spot on my shelf. And so when I kind of got all my important things before I left to come here, um, I didn't pick it up because I didn't know it was on the ground. And so I almost left my house and then thankfully I just kind of noticed I didn't have a ring on my finger. So, so I went back up and it's important to me because it is reminding me that I am clothed with this ring in the covenant that I have with my wife before the Lord. And we've been married for 15 years and it's a covenant. Now, I think that sometimes as Christians, even if we've been following Jesus for years and years, we can easily forget to clothe ourselves in the new covenant with Jesus. We can easily forget that we need to actually remind ourselves of that, put that on and live according to that. Scripture calls it being clothed in his righteousness. And it says, we have a part to play in it. God has done everything to make the way for us, but we must daily confess, come humbly before him, fill our mind with the truth, put on our covenant. It's not a ring like this before the Lord, of course, but we put on his righteousness and we must actually learn to walk in it. I can't tell you how many people I've counseled as a pastor over the years 
that tell me, I wish, I wish that God, couldn't he just zap me and make me live perfectly holy and cause me to walk in all his blessing if he loves me? Wouldn't he just do that? And I'm like, no, that's not how it works. He's done everything to provide this salvation for you, but like anything that is worthwhile in life, it takes work and effort to build a relationship with him and to walk in the truth and to clothe yourselves in the covenant. So, so I know I have one more point in my sermon and I'm gonna share that in closing and we're gonna do something so, so fun. But before that, I want you to close your eyes with me. Bow your hearts. And I just want you to think of the Think of the beauty and the wonder of what we're actually doing here. I'm inviting you to bow your heart before the risen Christ, the living God. And we're saying, Spirit of the living God, Holy Spirit. And you can pray this with me, church. Fill me, have your way in me. Your word says that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in us. So if you wanna pray this with me, any visitor here, anyone who's been here for a while, but God is just stirring, you can just say, I believe, Jesus, that you rose from the dead. And therefore, I believe that it validates everything that I learn about you in scripture. Forgive me for forgetting the truth. Forgive me for forgetting your promises. Forgive me for running to empty promises. God, remind me and thank you that you are the forgiver of my sins. And if you're praying this with me, just say, I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. I confess and I need forgiveness. Thank you for cleansing me from all unrighteousness. I commit my life to you. God, thank you that the enemy is defeated and death is not the final word. God, teach me how to walk, how to wear and be clothed in your righteousness, how to not forget the covenant. Teach me how to, to raise up the shield of faith and use the sword of the spirit so that I don't fall prey to what the enemy is trying to do in my life, even though he has no power. Teach me to walk in the victory that you've secured for me. Teach me to keep my hope on you. Yes, there is so much evil in the world. There's so much brokenness. There's so much pain and injustice. But we declare together as a church, Jesus, our hope is in you. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord over this world. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. And you will cause there to be a new heavens and a new earth. And we thank you for newness of life in us right now. In Jesus' name. Just take a moment of prayer there at your seat as James just leads this simple chorus and then we're gonna, I'm gonna share this last point and we're gonna do something but just allow God to speak to you and sit in his presence. Oh praise the name of the Lord our God Oh praise his name forevermore for endless days we will see And in fact, could everyone just close their eyes to honor everyone else in the room? If you just want to become a follower of Jesus, raise your hand up so I can see it. Because I want to see you. I want to pray for you. I see your hands up. You can put them down. It's amazing. We celebrate what God is doing in your life. Is there anyone else? I see it. A bunch of hands went up right away. You can put them down, guys. Come on, church. We celebrate what is happening in the lives of those that are raising their hands. 
We thank you, God, for what you're doing in them. Listen, guys, keep your eyes closed. For you guys to raise your hand and you're saying yes to him today, this is the most significant moment of your entire life. And you may not feel it right now, but this changes everything. And scripture says that when one person repents, when one person returns to God with all their heart, that heaven throws a party. It says that the angels rejoice. So we celebrate with all of heaven for what God is doing in your life. And I want to encourage you, make sure you communicate with us through our connection card. There's a QR code on our welcome card. Let us know about your decision. We want to walk with you. We want to give you some resources. We want to pray with you about this decision. So we are so, so thankful. How many of the rest of you here with our eyes still closed want to just raise your hand with me and say, my goodness, I want to more fully walk in this new covenant. I want to more fully understand the therefores of the resurrection. Raise your hand up with me. And I I see them all over the room. You can put them down. God, this is our prayer. This is our heart's desire. In Jesus' name we pray. So look at me again, because we're going to do something. I've never done this in a church where I was pastoring before. It was highly experimental, but first service was amazing. And what we're going to do is I'm going to share this last point And we are literally going to throw a party in here with like 50 or 60 confetti cannons. Okay, so just get ready. It's not a gimmick. It's a party. Now, let me give you a a fair warning. Fair warning. It's louder than I thought it would be. So if you are sensitive in your ears, and I'm not joking, we're going to leave the two doors open and even the outside doors open. And you can go out to the foyer in just a minute because some of our kids are going to come in. There'll be time for you to go out there, or you can even stand outside if your ears are very sensitive. I would also say, if anyone here has PTSD and has like, served in the military, it, it, it sounds crazy in here when we do this. So I just want to give fair warning. And then for little kids, it can be a little startling. Uh, but our team is going to hand these out. Before we hand them out, Oscar, let's invite... Are they here? Is that a yes? Oh, they're not here yet. Okay, so in a minute, our elementary kids are going to come up here to the front. Parents, look at me for a second. If you have kids in our elementary school ministry right now, they're going to come in here and our leaders are going to stay with them for the end of service. And then where you're going to pick them up is right over in this corner. So just line up right here along this white wall and you'll, uh, you know, safely and securely sign out your kids here. If you have littler kids like preschool and infants, they're, they're not going to come in. They're going to stay in the kids wing. So you'll still have to go get them over there. We want to be really clear about that. Um, so, so let's go ahead and stand all across the room. In a moment, we're going to welcome our kids in. Then we're going to hand out. Actually, let's start handing out the cannons. So now look at me, guys. Don't shoot your cannon right away. All right? Hold it with one hand lightly. Don't aim it at anybody. No kids get cannons. But they're going to bring you some cannons right now. They look like this. Do not turn your cannon yet. Just hold it. I'm going to give you some instructions. Let's welcome our Studio G Elementary kids in. Welcome, guys. Yeah. Come on up to the front. Come on up to the front, guys. Not on stage, just stay on the ground. All right. Okay. Hold your cannons lightly. Isn't it weird to use the word cannons this many times at an Easter service? It's amazing. Come on in, guys. Do not fire your cannon yet. Okay, everybody give me your attention for a moment. Look on the screen. We're going to put the directions up. Here's what you must do with your cannon. Kids, you can stand up. Hold the cannon 
with both hands. Now, we're not doing it yet. Do not blow off your cannon yet. Launch it. You can see the arrows at the bottom. Make sure the arrows are at the bottom or you're going to shoot yourself in your belly or somewhere else. Make sure the arrows are at the bottom. And then what you're going to do is you're going to hold it out and aim it towards the ceiling, not at anyone. All right? And don't do it towards your ear because it is loud. Um, let me see. What, make sure. I, and here's what we're going to do. The worship team is going to start playing a little bit. And James, James is right here, our worship leader. He's going to give us a countdown that goes four, three. Now, I'm not doing the countdown now. The countdown goes four, three, two, one. And we're going to do it together. And we're going to be singing at the same time. Oh, praise the name. And this place is going to get filled with confetti. Now, here's my final point to the message. For those of you that are OCD and you're taking notes, it's this. Jesus is risen. Therefore, the resurrection party has begun. That's the principle. And let me read you this scripture. Revelation 21, 3 through 5. Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Look at this, guys. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne, that's the lamb, Jesus, said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. This is a resurrection party, my friends. And my hope is this. We don't want this confetti to, to strike you as like a gimmick or something silly. We want you to remember this moment and let it mark your soul and remind you that you were invited every day into the resurrection party because Jesus has done it. And nothing can take away from you what Jesus has secured for you. Are you guys with me? Kids, kids, was that awesome? Yes. We want to remember about God's love, and that is it is a celebration. Now, before we dismiss, I want to remind you, if you raise your hand for any of those things and you want to be equipped or resourced, do the online connection card. There's a QR code right on the back here. You'll see it. Come to Newcomers Connect next week, right after our second service. Come to Taco Sunday the week after that. And then, listen, we have baptisms the week right after that on April 30th. So if anyone is new in their faith and wants to get baptized, we will baptize you here. And don't worry, we're paying our cleaners a lot of extra money this week to take care of all this. Let me pray this benediction, and then we'll be dismissed. Go forth with renewed hope, trusting in the transforming love of God. God does not leave things as they are. With God, all things are made new. All creation responds to God's presence. The world is alive with possibility. We open ourselves to this truth with Christ. We trust our whole lives to this power. Nothing's beyond the reach of God, neither evil, nor hardship, nor death. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. Love you guys very much. Have a great rest of your day.